Good morning and welcome to our home retreat. I'm Father Bede. I've entitled it, I Didn't Want to Break the Spell. An opportunity to read between the lines, against the grain and with our divine spectacles on. The story of the healing of the crippled woman on the Sabbath. Luke chapter 13 verses 10 to 21. I've sent you out with the um, yesterday online um, the copy of the text and also my notes to it, but we perhaps might just read the part of the gospel to begin with, just to set the context. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands upon her, and immediately she was made straight, and she praised God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days to be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said this, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced, at all the glorious things that were done by him. He saw her and he called her. The little he saw of her. No full frontal facial recognition, just a stoop, the top of her headdress, an absence in a sea of faces. And yet, with such little to see, he knew. This is the one, the call of the least, the youngest, like David, shepherding the flock, like you and I. Not I, Lord, surely. How did she feel to be outed, to be noticed, called, chosen, Publicised, embarrassed, no doubt, humiliated, shamed, terrified, in a synagogue full of men. 95% men, 5% women. Her long, stooped walk to the front. A murmur of excitement and anticipation from some. Of gossip murmuring judgmentalism from others. And the immediacy of the encounter, he saw, he called, he spoke, he touched, and the cure. And her initial reaction was to praise God. A spirit of infirmity 
an illness in spirit, in mind. Eighteen long years, a permanent infirmity. Bent over, creased up by pain, or the weight of an infirmity, or emotional, spiritual osteoporosis, a calcium deficiency, a grace deficiency. In 2004, I led the Easter retreat here at Ample Forth, and about 400 people came to one of the talks which I centred on this particular gospel. I invited two people to come forward to sculpt the scene. A woman came forward to offer to be the woman with the infirmity, and a man came forward to offer to be Christ. So I invited the woman to bend double in front of everybody else and then asked her what she could see. She said, the carpet, nothing else. So I invited Jesus to come forward, which he did, and he stood in front of her, perhaps two feet in front of her. And I asked what she could see and she said, a pair of feet. And interestingly, he had his feet slightly apart with one foot slightly in front of the other. That's all she could see. And I said to her, how do you feel about the feet? She paused for a moment and said, threatening. So I asked Jesus if he'd like to just reposition his feet and he put his two feet almost together. And I said, how do they feel now? And she said, intimate. Interestingly, the, the Jesus figure spoke the words. Um, he spoke to the woman and eventually the woman um, came up from her stoop. I asked how she felt. She felt excited, elated. Um, I asked him how he felt and he said, empowered. But interestingly, um, he never touched her. He spoke to her from that distance, but never put his hand on her shoulder. Um, he never gave her a handshake at the end or a, a sign of peace. Um, there was no physical contact. And it was only later I realised that the, the man was a doctor. And clearly, in his profession, he was used to touching people who were wounded, in need. And here suddenly, out of role, um, he felt awkward at touching a woman. And later in the Easter weekend, I bumped into the woman amongst a crowd between talks. And she said, with great excitement, she said, I've just come out of the bookshop. She said, where I saw Jesus, meaning the man who'd healed her. So I said, um, how did you relate to him? And she said, um, I didn't say anything to him. I just smiled. I didn't want to break the spell. Beautiful spirituality. You hypocrites, 
you actors, you mask wearers. This woman, a daughter of Abraham, part of the faith community, a place, a birthright for that woman, as much as Abraham and his sons. It would have sent shockwaves through the synagogue and the listeners, an equality in faith and relationship, akin to Zacchaeus, the despised tax collector, who Jesus referred to as this son of Abraham. Zacchaeus, come down, I must stay with you today. The recovery of the woman with the infirmity and Zacchaeus as agents, leaders, reformers, articulating an alternative vision, attending to different voices. And today's equivalent, perhaps, speaking out for the divorced and the remarried to receive the Eucharist. The migrants on Dover Beach. The sick drug addict I discovered on the coastliner bus to Leeds on the 2nd of September. People bound, bent double with infirmities for long years. Losing eye contact with you and I through shame, through disappointment. Loosed, you are set free. And here and now, we are invited to step into it, that liberation theology. If only humankind would do likewise. So often as we are shackled by the law, the synagogue or the church. The weave, the connectedness of the story 2,000 years ago to the life and faith relationships in September 2023, where the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. It reminds me of the situation in Iran. It's just a year since Mahasa Amini's death in custody, arrested by the morality police for not wearing her hijab, her veil, correctly. There were mass protests and brutal crackdowns. One or two comments since then, as the anniversary approaches. I still can't believe the things I now have the courage to do. We've become so much bolder and braver. She is also clearing her mind that there is no going back. <clears throat> recalling the thrill she experienced when she first took off her headscarf in public last September. My heart was pounding, she said. It was so exciting. I felt like I'd broken a huge taboo. The woman bent double. A little quotation from a man called Walter Wink who talked about engaging the powers. He said of the woman bent double, to call her a daughter of Abraham was to make her a fully-fledged member of the covenant and of equal standing before God 
with men. To heal her on the Sabbath was to liberate the Sabbath to be a jubilee of release and restoration. To touch her was to revoke the holiness code with its male scruples about menstrual uncleanness and sexual advances. To speak to her in public was to jettison male restraints on women's freedom. To place her in the middle of the synagogue was to challenge the male monopoly on the means of grace and access to God. There's a very good book written by Anne Thurston called Knowing Her Place. And in one of the chapters, she refers to this very gospel called Concealing Women. She says, The reign of God appears among those considered least likely to manifest it. It breaks through restrictions of law, class and gender. The call to conversion is made to all who would seek to limit the offer of God's liberating grace. So what is the reign of God like? It is like a woman who takes yeast, yeast which can corrupt, and mixes it with three measures of flour until it is all leavened. The woman is preparing the banquet of the Lord. The people will come from east and west, from north and south, and will eat in the kingdom of God. The understanding of the Sabbath has been broken open, subverted by the healing of a bent woman who in her body symbolised the suffering of the Israelites for 18 years under the Ammonites. Judges 10 verse 8. On this hallowed day, a woman is liberated and praises God. She, a daughter of Abraham, who was a symbol of the suffering of her people, is now a symbol for their liberation. This is a topsy-turvy kingdom. It disrupts and disturbs. It appears when it is least expected, through the healing of a crippled woman praying in the synagogue. Just as the holiness of the Sabbath is apparently corrupted, defiled by healing, which transforms the whole concept of holy and of Sabbath. So the apparently corrupt leaven transforms the dough. <clears throat> so what next? We've read the gospel. We've listened openly to it. We've heard it with the grain, known and familiar. And we've now read it and heard it anew against the grain with its new challenges and opportunities. So how is it kept alive, relevant and incarnational? Well, certainly through the Iran crackdown on women's dress. And with most of the gospel stories, Luke's Jesus leaves you and I to pray, to ponder, reflect and creatively write in an ending, your ending. 
What happens next for the woman? Is she invited by Jesus to remain on the sanctuary for the rest of the service? A chair beside Jesus. At the end, does Jesus walk her through the synagogue and present her back to the women in the carol in the back corner, an oblation? Or does Jesus invite all the women forward onto the sanctuary as a community gesture of inclusivity, of communal healing and parity of esteem? And what implications within the faith community and the village in the days following? And the following Sabbath, what will have changed in the synagogue in terms of seating arrangements and participation? How many familiar faces would be absent? And how many expectant newcomers would arrive? And how might my own participation or spectatorship in the Sabbath liturgy tomorrow change as a result of my day of reflection today? Look upon us, Lord, creator and ruler of the whole world. Give us grace to serve you with all our heart, that we may come to know the power of your forgiveness and love. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.